welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. It is my hope that every episode of this show, you learn about a new writer or learn something new about a writer you already are aware of. Um, Not only do I speak to writers, I speak to publishers and editors and other creative people, so I hope you enjoy. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to let you know there are some really special new books out, um, and three of them uh, are from my guests tonight. The first one is called Three-Fifths. It's a novel by John Bircher. The next one is called Remember, a novel by Patricia Smith. Then there is The Ninja Daughter by Tori Eldridge. Wendy Burns' Dirty Deeds and Secrets is also out. And then Barb Warner-Dean has her new book, The Whistle Stop Canteen. And I also want to mention that Attica Locke has her new book out, Heaven, My Home. So today I am very honored to have the publisher, the editor, and the three debut novelists for Agora Books, which is an imprint of Polis. So I'd like you to introduce back to the show Jason Pinter, who is not only a writer and a former editor himself, but the publisher of Polis Books and and Agora. Jason, welcome back to Authors on the Air. Thanks for having all of us. I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, I'm, I'm so impressed with the the first of all the way Polis Books has grown and you have so many fantastic writers uh, on your roster, Thank not you. limiting to to Alex Segura and and Steph Post <laughs> and all the others. They're fantastic, um, but your brand has really really become popular and it seems like everyone wants to flock to Polis Books. They would feel honored <laughs> to be published by you. So how does that make you feel when you hear things like that? It's, I mean, it's, it's very flattering. I think it, it shows that we're, we're certainly doing something right. It's certainly yes. a little daunting because it, it also says that, you know, we, if, if we do have a brand or any sort of goodwill within the industry or the community, we have a responsibility to publish good books and publish them well. Uh, and, uh, you know, through, through the entire package, good books, uh, good covers, market them well, promote them well. Um, you know, we, we do, we're very fortunate to have a pretty incredible roster of writers. And like you said, you know, people approaching us every single day, you know, dozens a day. Um, and we are thankfully able to kind of curate the list, uh, to really books and authors that we're pretty passionate about. But, um, you know, uh, the hope is that with everything that Polis is publishing and Agora has coming up that we just, we continue to kind of make a mark on the literary field and the crime fiction community and just keep publishing great books that people enjoy. I agree. Um, I, I want to ask you, though, you know, I've talked to you before about publishing and how writers get published. And you gave me a great piece of advice. You said, you know, most legitimate publishers want you to be agented. And um, I know that not everyone is. But you said to me that m- most writers should go to Publishers Marketplace for 25 bucks a month, they get a, a, a current roster of agents and what type of books they're looking for. I'm assuming that advice still holds true. Um, I would say for, for the most part, there obviously are exceptions. You know, we do have some, some authors on the, on the roster that, that don't have agents, but I would say we've never signed up an author or actually I think one in total who's come straight sort of over the transom. Everyone else, like I know Patricia pitched uh, Chantel right. in person. 
and uh, and right. Chandler had met John before. Um, so it's very, very rare that just something kind of comes in through slush and we pick it up just because, I mean, Chantel sees the amount of queries we get in a given day is astronomical. And if we read every single query that came in, we wouldn't have company anymore. Um, right. So I would generally advise writers to find an agent first. I think Publishers Marketplace is a, is a great resource. I'm, I'm not getting any kickbacks for saying that, but I always say, you know, spend 25 bucks get a month's uh, subscription and you like spend a couple hours on it and you'll have a list of, you know, 50 agents who represent things in the vein that you're, that you're pitching. Um, so right. I, I generally think there's a lot of information out there and that's a great resource. I want to talk to you about your decision to create the imprint Agora. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? I think it really stems from, from being a reader first and foremost. Um, I've, I've been sort of, I guess, a part of the crime fiction community now for, I mean, God, uh, well over, over 10 years. Um, and having been to BoucherCon almost every year over the past 10 years and being a part of the community and seeing everyone there, it's, it's a phenomenal community. But it really did start to feel, especially as you go to the conferences, that it was becoming very homogenous. Uh, that yes. there were a lot of voices and a lot of cultures that were clearly not being represented. And as a reader first, I can only read so many of the same stories over and over again. Right. You know, uh, it felt like there was a lot of ground that had been very well well trod, and there was a lot of ground that had not been. And I felt like as a reader first, there was there were a lot of readers aching for these stories, and they weren't getting them. There were a lot of writers who were probably very talented who had these stories, but for whatever reason weren't getting the opportunity to share them. And that as a publisher, I thankfully had the you know the ability to literally put my money where my mouth is and say. We're going to, uh, you know, put a stake in the ground and provide a platform to these voices, get these books out into the uh, into the atmosphere, for, for lack of a better term, uh, sure. because we really think there's an audience out there for them. Because listen, I am an audience. I like to read about uh, people and cultures and issues and 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 conflicts that are not a part of my life. Because I think that's how you grow as a reader, as a writer. Um, but I just felt like there was, that was lacking in the community, and we, I think, had a chance to, to fill in that gap a little bit. So then comes Chantel Ami Osman. Chantel, welcome to Authors on the Air. I think this is your first visit. It really is. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. You and I know a lot of the same people in the community, both in romance and in crime fiction and, and other uh, things. How did it happen that you ended up being with Jason at Agora Books. Well, I mean, I've known Jason for, I think, what is it, about 10 years now. And I think we ended up at about the same place at the same time as far as recognizing that there are just these underrepresented voices, um, which mm -hmm. to go back for one second to your question about agents, it's one of the reasons that Agora and Polis don't, you know, we do accept unagented submissions because sometimes it's, it's as hard to get a publisher for an underrepresented voice as it is to get an agent. So, right. you know, it, 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 it's frequent to lose that if you're not careful. And Jason has been really wonderful at recognizing these things. And um, we came upon the same premise basically at the same time where, I was getting bored with what I was reading. Crime fiction has, and I've said this before, always shined a light on issues of social or cultural or political justice. And it just 
became not that anymore. It wasn't the crime fiction that I was used to reading. And I was looking mm-hmm. for something different. And we both noticed this lack around the same time. Um, and having been friends for so long, it just it seemed a natural fit. Um, you're, you were at a conference and you met Patricia Smith, who is also here tonight, one of your debut novelists. Um, how did you know that she was the one that you wanted? Mm-hmm. Is, there has well, to be a great question. Well, because there has and to be I, something. There has to be something about that person standing in front of you making the pitch that you you it, it kind of tingles inside you. So, can you tell me a little bit about it? There absolutely was, and and, and it was um, pitch slam at the Writers Digest conference, which I highly recommend. Um, one of the better, you know, mass pitching conferences. Although I'm sure Patricia will tell you, very overwhelming. <laughs> Um, yes. And you're right, there was absolutely something about her when, you know, I, I think it was like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. you go with various breaks and just people sit down in front of you and pitch you, which I actually really enjoy because I like being told stories all day long, which is what mm-hmm. happens. But um, she sat down and actually she said, you know, I have a YA book, Young Adult. And I said, that's really not what I'm looking for, but there was something about her. And I said, is, is there any crime in it? And she starts talking about, it was actually her history, um, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in the podcast, but it was mm-hmm. about her influences and how much writing helped her. And that was what she started with. And I was so affected by that. I said, even though it wasn't specifically the genre that I thought I was looking for at that time, I wanted to hear about this book because it was so obviously unique to her. And she had such a strong voice that I couldn't help but say, please tell me all about what this is. Um, and, and that's really in a microcosm what it was. So Chantal, when um, you're an editor too, and, and um, so, so sometimes you're going to, to a pit, listening to a pitch, and sometimes you're editing work. Um, how often do you find when you are editing something that you have to do a pretty good edit a really heavy duty edit and does that turn you off to to the story you know one of the things I I have some friends that are editors as well and it's funny how we all kind of divide into different categories for me the most Mm -hmm. important thing is voice right and I feel like the one thing I cannot edit into your story is passion I can probably fix your plot I can maybe fix your characters, but I think that passion and voice tend to be a little bit interchangeable. And Mm -hmm. so for me, if I see that and it's, you know, something that I haven't seen before, particularly, I will gladly spend all the time, you know, to work with you to make sure that that really comes out because that's what makes the book interesting. What makes it unique. What advice would you give to writers who want to pitch to you? What are you looking for, both physically, you know, from from their point of view? Do you need a cover letter? Do you want chapters? What is the best way to approach you to pitch a book? Well, technically, all of that is true. Um, generally, our submission guidelines are query letter, synopsis, you know, first three chapters, but what I always tend to tell uh, students that I'm teaching pitching to is, you know, 
and, and every agent or editor is different. Some only really read the query letters. Some only really read the synopsis. As far as me personally, the thing that's most important to me is your first page or your first chapter. Yeah, if I'm not I get immediately, that. if there's not something right there that I want to keep reading, because I don't know, Pam, how you are, but, you know, so if something is really important, that's generally the time you're going to screw it up, right? Like, you'll right. misspell somebody's name or you'll forget to attach something. And so, yes, I read the query letter, I read the synopsis, but I also know that it's really hard to know what's most important about your own work or what to talk about about you. So the right. thing I really care about is that first page. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, I'm an avid reader. I read probably 500 books a year now, and I'm a very fast reader, obviously. Um, I'm not distracted by television, but I have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to books. Um, I get a lot of galleys and, you know, or what what readers know, know as arcs. Um, I got a lot of finished product, and I read a lot on my Kindles, too. And I find two things that you said are very interesting. The first page has to really hit me. It has to be of interest. Um, the second thing is, if I can't distinguish the voices between the characters so that it's not um, Amy said this and Jason said that, I need to know that who they are without you defining those characters to me. Because to me, every character has a different sound, different vocabulary, a different tenor uh, you know and the way that they speak does, does that make sense to you Chantal? oh absolutely it does and and you know it is one of the three things and it's part of why i love polish books so much is is you have amazing covers first of all which is you know the, the saying is you can't judge a book by its cover but when you walk into a bookstore and you don't know what you're looking for that's honestly the first thing that you're going to look at that's right and pick up that's a book right. and right. then the next thing is the back cover copy and then right. the third thing is generally the first page. And That's if you right. don't have that trifecta, you know, you might have lost a reader, uh, which is why, you know, we all pay so much attention to, especially the covers of the books, which I know that John, Patricia, and Tori will gladly tell you the process we went through yeah. on theirs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to ask them about that because I actually know a little bit about that. So, but... But so let's move on to John and let me introduce John Vercher is this is your debut novel, your debut published novel, although you've been a writer for a long time, correct? Yeah, uh, it, I mean, in terms of I've written some nonfiction essays that were uh, I was a contributing writer for WBUR for some time, uh, but I've, I've been uh, my education was in English uh, before I actually worked in healthcare for a while and returned to writing uh, after listed a miserable stint doing healthcare. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been writing for a while. Now you have an MFA in creative writing, correct? That's correct. So John, let me ask you something. I, I find it interesting that a lot of my writer friends do have MFAs. What did you take away from your program? I think the biggest thing was, for me, it was a, a big refresher. If I needed to reintroduce myself to the mechanics and the craft, there yeah. were a lot, of, a lot of that was missing, a lot of that I had forgotten in my time away from writing. So uh, immersing myself in a program like that was probably the only way 
I could have gotten back to to and even to where I am now as a writer. If I hadn't done that, I don't think that I, I would have made uh, any of the, the progress of the strides I have. Um, John, do you have any writing um, mentors? Is there anyone who you you say I want to be compared to this writer? <laughs> uh, yes, but they're probably too lofty and too embarrassing to say. Uh, but, well, I, but, writers, but that's not true. You I never really you to. never know that. You you don't know that until <laughs> you know. You're going to be a success. I, I know you are by all of your reviews. Tell me who you would like to be compared to. The one that always leaps to the mind with this question would be Jasmine Ward. Uh, her wow. books. Uh, I, I, I've said often that uh, I would read her grocery list. The, the way that she writes, she her her books to me read like full length poems. Um, wow. And she manages to tackle social issues without lagging a finger or being preachy. Uh, and I just, I get lost in her pages. And if, if I can create that kind, anything close to that kind of writing in my career, then I'll, uh, I'll be pretty happy. So let's talk about Three Fifths, your debut novel from Agora Books. Because it is a social issue that you're talking about, and it's a very timely one, isn't it? Even though it's set back in 1995. Yeah, I, I don't. I tend to shy away from the idea that it's timely because I don't think I'm addressing anything that's any different than it was uh, pre-1995. Uh, the right. things that I'm talking about in this book uh, have always been a problem throughout this country's history. It's just a matter of what context we're talking about again. Um, would you please tell listeners about your book? Sure. It, it centers around uh, a main character, a young man named Bobby Saracino, who is a biracial black man, but has been passing for white his entire life. He, uh, on the night um, that his best friend gets out of prison, he discovers that he's a newly radicalized white supremacist. And in, uh, in the span of their reunion during that night, they get into an, an altercation that ends in a hate crime. And Bobby becomes an unwitting accomplice. And so he's forced to reconcile the lies of his past that have put him in a situation along with his present, uh, trying to get out of that situation um, and starting to question the choices that he's made in his life. You know, when I read your book, um, I wanted, wanted to call you immediately and say, you've told such an, an amazing story without so much background stuff. I don't know how to explain it. You're, you use an economy of words when you are telling the story that, that moved me through the book very, very fast. And for me, that's really important as someone who reads a lot and who reads quickly. Uh, I'm, I was so happy to read that book and have it move along at the pace that it did. It was a horrifying scenario for Bobby. And it was a, you know, uh, a, he had a come to Jesus reckoning there. And I, I appreciated the way you wrote it. It was beautiful. Thank you. 
Um, you have been getting a lot of accolades from reviewers in the social media community as well as other places. Um, I read Gabino Iglesias' review. I, they, I know that there were other reviews that were done by your book. Is there anything that stands out for you? Yeah, well, Gabino's certainly the – I feel extremely fortunate to have received – the the sort of stamp of approval from librarians. I mean, I'm a I'm a lifelong yeah. reader. I love books. Uh, you know, my my love affair with books started with the Scholastic Book Fair and the the those battle shelves rolling in and buying stacks and stacks of books and telling my parents I needed even more books the next time they came around. So there was something mm-hmm. very meaningful about mm-hmm. those uh, reviews for me. I would also say that the Bolo Books review. Uh, Christopher's review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was. That was very powerful uh, for me on a lot of levels. So while I'm grateful for every kind word that's been said about my book, um, that one in particular uh, has has stood out for me. Um, have you started your next book, John? I have. Are you excited? I, I'm thrilled. I it's. Being that uh, getting this validation that um, some yeah. there are people interested in my book other than me <laughs> has given me some motivation to to really press forward and and continue to do this and and uh, I've never been more excited to write. It's been it's been a great journey so far and it feels like it's just beginning. Tell everyone where we can find you on social media and where your website is, please. My website is pretty simple john com. i'm on twitter at jvirch75 it's real original and uh <laughs> i'm also on instagram at john Bircher 75 even more original. and you're also on Those facebook are the main places i think you can find me. i, I, I see uh, what... the web page is uh, john Bircher author very good John, I wish you all the success with your book. Uh, I think that um, you're a major voice for our future literary endeavors, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. You're absolutely welcome. Um, My next guest is Tori Eldridge. Uh, If you are a a listener of this show, you will know that Tori is one of my go-to experts on just about everything. She also (laughs) – she – she also was one of my first guests, and out of that grew the Empowered Living podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome back Tori Eldridge, whose new book, The Ninja Daughter, will be releasing next month, right? Is it next month, Tori? November 5th. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh Countdown. It's getting exciting, Pam. I know. You know, um, I, I have to tell everyone that you gave me the honor of being one of your first readers, and I was blown away by the book. And um, I, I, I don't think you recognized what a great writer you really are. <laughs> I kept raving to you, and you kept saying, really? Really? I said, oh, yes, absolutely. Really? Well, you were pretty well blowing me away with your with your comments. I was uh, I was riding pretty high on that for a whole month. <laughs> I'm glad because the Ninja Daughter is 
such a unique story. It is one. Now, you know, I read a lot and I know you listen to audiobooks a lot, but it is not one that I have heard before. You basically have taken bits and pieces of your own life and woven this beautiful, beautiful story um, about a woman who is a protector and a protector of women who are under siege in personal violent relationships. Tell us a little bit more about the story, though, because Lily Wong deserves to be heard from her creator. Aw, I'm happy to. Well, as you say, it's uh, it's quite personal. It was inspired uh, so much from my own life. Lily Wong is a Chinese-Norwegian modern-day ninja in Los Angeles with Joy Luck Club family issues. Um, and I am half Chinese-Hawaiian, and my father is Norwegian from North Dakota, and I hold a fifth-degree black belt in Toshindo Ninjutsu, and I've lived in Los Angeles for 35 years. So, my goodness, there was a lot to mine from. And what I really wanted to do, because what, what I love about reading, uh, as Jason mentioned, is I love reading books that expand my awareness, that show me new people, new cultures, new communities. That's what excites me. And so I really wanted to dive into this really unusual character, this Lily Wong. She's only 25, and when her sister, younger sister, is raped and murdered, this happened, you know, like uh, seven years in the past, it really made her feel like a failure as a sister, and she she wants to be a big sister to a city, and she has this incredibly uncommon um, life experience and cultural blend, and so I drew from my own heritage and my friends and many of my Norwegian family and drew stories from there. It's like Lily's parents are certainly not mine, and Lily is most definitely not me, and her experience in martial arts is not mine. But it's all based on authentic uh, heritage and real facts. So one of my goals in addition to... um, sharing this culture and this heritage was a deep dive into relationships, her relationships with her parents and uh, her relationship with the past, with her culture, with grief, with empowerment. Um, But I also wanted to give Ninja, (laughs) give Ninja a nice authentic hit, you know, because we've, we've all seen the, the splashy, fabulous, wonderful, you know, fantasy-like ninja stereotype and all that. But I really wanted to show my readers, I wanted to take them into some real authentic stuff that, you know, we don't don't share, that, you know, isn't usually out there. Um, Practical stuff, esoteric stuff, you know, all, all sorts of things. And, of course, all of this is wound up in this incredibly complex, um, conspiracy mystery. It's a fabulous book. It, it was it was riveting. I I read your book from cover to cover. I think in just a few hours because I know oh I got back to you right away. <laughs> it, it was so. And I reread the the actual paper book when Jason sent it to me, and um, it's just every bit as exciting as I remember. Now, for those who don't know Tori, I invite you to go to her Facebook page. 
so that you can experience what happens when a ninja opens a character ninja's knife. Um, your 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 video on the ninja knife almost had me wet my pants. I was laughing so hard because it's just so you. It was so fun. <laughs> and and if if you've never seen Tori Aldridge at a book reading. You are in for a little bit of theater because Tori is also an actor. She's a singer. She's a dancer. She's done television and film work. And she also wrote, well, tell us about your first book, too, about Empowered Living. Oh, sure. Um it's called Empowered Living, A Guide to Physical and Emotional Protection, and it is most definitely that. Um, I wrote it decades ago when I was teaching because I was one of the seniors in my art. So I, I traveled a lot um, in the nation, you know, teaching ninjutsu and teaching empowerment. But there are so many people, women in particular, but so many people who want to feel protected but are, are, are never going to walk onto the steps of a dojo. You know, it, it's kind of gross. You know, a lot of people don't like it. Women, mm. But still, you know, they want to have some benefits. And so what I did was I took a lot of our Toshindo lessons because uh, Stephen K. Hayes does a brilliant job in introducing this and connecting the physical with the emotional. And I just, I ran with that. And so it's, it's a whole book that's connecting physical and emotional um, protection and empowerment, a lot of anecdotes. It's very easy to read. You know, it's not like um, a how-to book. With, you're not going to see any pictures of self-defense moves. You know, I'm sharing a lot of anecdotes, and most of it is centered on emotional situations with family, at work, friends, that sort of thing. Right. Um, Tori, tell us your website and where we can find you on social media, please. Oh, sure. Uh, ToriEldridge.com, and you spell my name, T-O-R-I-E-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. And if you, um, you know, search at Tori Eldridge, it'll come up. Uh, both of my sites will come up on Facebook. You'll find me on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram as writer.tori. And... Um uh, you also really should go and sign up for Tori's Mindful Musings newsletter. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, it's a, a little bit of empowerment in a very short piece, but very, very nice. Tori, thank you for being here again with me. I know that you and I are going to speak in November, I believe it is, on yeah. the 6th, when your book comes out, and we'll talk about it more in depth. Sounds great. Um, Thank you. So my next guest and the third debut novelist from Agora Books is Patricia Smith. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled that you're here. Nothing so scary so far, right? Nothing, no. <laughs> um, Patricia, I, I will be honest and tell you, Patricia called me when, <laughs> when I said that they were going to be on this show. And she says, what do I have to do? What are you going to ask me? <laughs> so we had a nice chuckle and ended up laughing about that for about a half hour. Patricia, you told me when we spoke before that, um, and, and we're going to get to remember the title of your book, but you told me that you have been writing as long as you can remember. You've been yeah. writing like crazy. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, well, I wrote my first, like, full-length novel when I was 10 years old. I handwritten it. It was about 12 pages. But I've been writing stories, yeah, ever since I can remember. And mainly because it was my only healthy form of escapism. I grew up with a lot of pain and a lot of mental health issues. I'm pretty open up about that. And it was writing literally the only thing that made me happy growing up. And reading did too, but I wasn't really seeing books that I needed to read growing up. So I just decided to write them. <laughs> and that's how that worked out. Tell me about your first book that was 12 pages long. Oh, my God. It was about these three girls that wanted boyfriends, and they got the boyfriends, and then they killed the boyfriends by pushing them into the water. Because when I was 10, <laughs> I thought if you push someone in the water, they would die. And so that's what that story was about. And it was called The Generation Girls for some reason. I have no idea. And you were how old when you wrote that? I remember being in, like, Great. I want to say I remember being in fifth grade, so like around ten. It was like wow, it's a, it was it's a, there was definitely a, a lot horrific, of spelling errors. But that's a pretty horrific premise for someone in fifth grade. Although, you know, I guess it depends on what your perspective and your experiences are. Um, yeah. And so you continue to write, and you continue to write, and here comes remember. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Tell listeners about remember. Um, so Remember is uh, my psychological th- thriller that tells the story of a young girl, Portia Willow. She's with anxiety disorder and loses her mother and sister in a car accident. And five years later, she's getting questioned about the crime that she doesn't remember. Wow. It's pretty heavy-duty yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was listening to um, a podcast about amnesia and memory loss and things like that. Um, and having been a crime victim myself, I can tell you it, in in real life, you know, crimes that go to trial when they have a perpetrator uh, take yeah. a long time. And so as a as a crime survivor, how does one keep the memory of the crime alive to be able to tell the story while going on with their life and recovering from the crime? So yeah. so. So tell me about Portia Willows. Portia Willows is very complex. Um, Yes. Yeah, she's super complex. She definitely came within me and my own anxiety issues. I don't have social anxiety disorder, but I definitely have really bad anxiety, hence why I had to call you before this. And uh, (laughs) fine. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think she also, like, I've been in a lot of like psych wards and I've been in a lot of hospitals and I've been in circles with a lot of girls that have different mental health issues. And um, I've just heard a lot of stories and I've just been around a lot of mentally ill people. And so I think Portia is a little bit of everyone I've met through the pain that I've been through growing up. Interesting. Um, It seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but when I was growing up, I don't remember that we had, you know, it wasn't called social anxiety or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because I went to school that was so huge. Uh, you know, there there were enough cliques for everyone to join and nobody really felt left out. I think at least that's my rec- my uh, my thing now. Um, why do you think there are so many social anxieties now with especially younger people? Oh, I think society has definitely 
has to do with that. And, you know, when I was growing up, there was no, like, oh, I have mental health issues. No one was really talking about it. And so I don't think there was no social anxiety. There was definitely no borderline personality disorder. And it was all, it was always just like something's wrong with her or it's just a phase. And um, it wasn't until I started like getting into therapy that I learned about the, you know, the diagnosis and that helped a lot. And um, I don't know. I I'm 27, so I think for me as a millennial, it's just been there's just so much pressure to be a certain way, to act a certain way. Yes. And um, that's definitely where that also comes from. Have you begun your next book? Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you have lots of stories to tell, Patricia? Yeah. So out of I'm technically going back because I've written 50 books, but I've written them when I was 12, so they all suck. And so I'm technically just going <laughs> back to those stories and redoing them as an adult. Tell us where we can find you on social media and your website, please. Um, my website is patriciasmith.com, and I'm most active on Instagram, and that's Patricia, S-H-A-N-A-E. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at PSSmith92. Wonderful. Jason, what do you think of these people? What do I? What do, you, what do I? What do you think of these three amazing individuals? I think they're terrible. I'm, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to know them. <laughs> do we, no, I do mean, we I, see? I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here listening to them, and it's sort of, you know, I, I'm – you know, Chantel and I have talked about this, but it sort of seemed very karmatic to launch this new imprint with three debut novels because part of the, the reason we wanted to launch Agora was to bring new voices, not just new voices, but also sort of maybe rediscover a voice that hadn't received a certain audience, but to launch the line with three debut novels, not just debut novels, but uh, novels that were very different in terms of who the authors were, in terms of who the stories were. Some of them, you know, uh, they some of them could be very heavy, some of them could be very light. It just really seemed like the perfect mixture of books and writers, and it's just hearing them talk about them. And and I, you know, I've met John, I've met Tori, I have not met Patricia, and I'm hearing them all kind of talk about their books in an interview setting for the first time, and it makes me want to read them, even though I've read them. So, <laughs> so they're doing a good job. There you job. go. There you go, um, John. Your book has released now, correct? Correct. And um, Tori, yours is in November. Patricia, when does your book release? October 8th. Okay. Chantel, you're the the overseer of this little motley crew here. Final thoughts (laughs) and and what we're looking forward to with Agora Books. Well, first of all, I have to say, again, Echoing Jason, hearing all three of them together for the first time, I could not be, not proud isn't even the right word, but I cannot mm-hmm. wait for people to read their words because it, it reminded me again how important all three of these books are. Um, and I'm just so thrilled that I get to work with three such amazing and talented authors. And it's not that I could wish for more than any one of them, but what we have coming up next is, is also pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm very excited for everybody to see not only these, but what comes next. And so I'm assuming, Jason, that you have more wonderful writers coming up through Agora? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we're actually we're in the midst of uh, we've already finalized our winter 2020 list, uh, which is through March. We have um, a brand new series starting up with uh, the legendary Gary Phillips. Uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's done everything yes. from novels to comic books to anthologies. Uh, we, have the first no- we have the first crime novel uh, from Silvio Moreno-Garcia, who is a uh, wildly acclaimed writer in science fiction and fantasy. We have her first crime novel coming out. Uh, and then we have a fantastic uh, anthology edited by Camino Glacius, uh, who everybody knows, who's I think really one of sort of the biggest up-and-coming talents in, in almost any Absolutely. genre. And he's editing a, a collection of of uh, stories for us called uh, Both Sides, and it's all tales set at uh, the border, various borders. Um, so that's the next list. After that, we're already working on uh, summer 2020 and beyond. So, yeah, I mean, it's, this list really just sort of kicks the, kick things off the perfect way, and then we have a lot more coming up. Where does everybody go to to look for you on the web? Uh, so they, people can find us at polisbooks.com, uh, Instagram and and uh, Twitter and uh Facebook at Polis Books. Uh, they can find everything about the company, about our upcoming authors, uh, pictures, giveaways. We do a lot of kind of galleon finished book giveaways. Um, and, you know, they can find me and Chantel online also. But I also believe, I think all, I think Tori, Patricia, and John will also all be at VoucherCon in, in, at the end of October. That, that's right. Correct? Yes, we're yeah. so excited. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping, that, I, I'm hoping a lot of these, a lot of the people listening to this, will be going to VoucherCon and make sure to find these authors, go to their panels, get their books, meet them, have them sign their books, because uh, it's, it's, it'd be very, very cool to have all three of these these authors there talking about their books. Well, I'll be sure to rerun this. Um, this is a live show now, but I'll rerun the podcast uh, before VoucherCon. I unfortunately won't be there because I am leaving to go to capital crime in london and so i I had to make a decision i know i had i had to make a decision which will i go to dallas or london it was an easy one for me so (laughs) (laughs) but i wish you all the success in the world and when your next books come out please come back and let's talk individually jason and chantal when you have your next crop of three ready to release come on back and let's bring them on too Okay. I, I wish love you, that. Thank you. I I wish you all so much success and congratulations on such beautifully, masterfully written books. I wish you all the best. Thanks oh, for having Pam. Us. Thank you, Pam. Thank all you. Right. And thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.